I'm Corrine. And I'm Cameron. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to A Conversation, Conversation Between Women. All right. Welcome back to another Conversation Between Women. What's up today, Corrine? I just want to get right into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering, um, do you, are you familiar with Brene Brown? Yeah. So she, she has, well, I think I'm pretty sure she's where I heard this from, but she calls it a vulnerability hangover. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was acutely aware in the last, well, I'm, I'm aware that I think like I'm experiencing a vulnerability hangover and it's an interesting feeling to have because, well, like it kind of doesn't make, like it makes total sense and it kind of doesn't make sense because the whole thing about being vulnerable is to like be vulnerable. And so then if you're experiencing a hangover from it, it's kind of like, like if you're hungover from alcohol, it's because you stopped drinking alcohol, right? Like you drank a lot and then you stopped drinking it. And so now you're like in the after period where you're going through the withdrawal. But like if your intention is to be vulnerable, the vulnerability hangover happens when you've like had extreme vulnerability and then you stop being vulnerable, I think, or you stop, or in some way you're like, that was vulnerable and now I'm protecting myself or now I'm processing the vulnerability. Or yeah. I like, always feel like it's regret. Like the vulnerability hangover yeah. is like regret. Like, oh shit, why did I yes. do that? You know? Like, why did I just let that? Yeah. Yeah. So like, which is a helpful way for me to be processing a recent experience I had because, um, if, if what I'm going for in my life is like authenticity and vulnerability, really what that is, is like openness. Right. And well, I mean, it's authenticity and vulnerability and openness, um, and surrendering to what is and like honoring what is, because when you honor what is and what arises and you express that, then it's vulnerable because it's real. So I just like keep doing that in theory, I should just coast right through any hangover and just remain open and vulnerable and then hopefully make that more of a norm and then have it not feel so like gut-wrenching <laughs> that's what i'm hoping <laughs> but i think to work on i think that she says this too that like um if you're i think it's her that says this and something else but like if you're being really being vulnerable like if you're really being vulnerable then it's not ever easy. Otherwise you're not mm. being vulnerable. So like the, for me, a lesson I had to learn, I just like share about my life openly. I'm pretty much an open book and I share with everybody. And I had to learn that like, that's not necessarily vulnerability because it's easy for me to share. Right. Mm -hmm. But like sharing something that, um, you know, like if I were to share something about how I, you know, yelled at my kid or did something really awful that made me look like a monster or something. That's real vulnerability because that's not like easy to share. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that it's not going to get easier if it's real because yeah, you know, it's not like, yeah. I mean, it's just like the spiritual path is not an easy path. Like we might be in the flow, but it doesn't mean the flow is easy. It's like childbirth, childbirth you know, some people say it's easy and it is easy, but it's not easy. It's not like without, um, discomfort or without, um, some people might call pain or like without sensation, right? Like there's mm -hmm. these things that happen. Um, mm -hmm. like I personally wouldn't call childbirth painful, but I would call it really uncomfortable and really intense. So like, that's part of it, you know, like you're, yeah. 
there's always like there's still rocks in the river. Yeah. The river just flows around them. Yeah, exactly. That that was very good. That's deep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so like, you'll just get, you know, we just get to this point of the vulnerability where we can, we share knowing that it's going to like hurt like hell or that it's going to be scary or, Mm. you know, it's going to be uncomfortable or whatever the sensation is, but we do it anyway. It's like, it's, you just do Mm. it anyway. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the whole thing of like living truth, right? Like I have chosen in this lifetime that I'm going to live truth period. And it is not easy to live truth. Like it is always hard. I lose people and things and, you know, whatever all the time for being honest or for being truthful or for always trying to stay like in alignment with, um, what I, what I feel like is truth. And, um, so it's not easy and a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. It's like that saying, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth, whatever that movie was or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's people don't really want to hear the truth. So when you're somebody who tells the truth or wants to live in truth, it's not easy. It's not like without mm. consequence, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I also think... <laughs> Well, but I also, I also think about, um, like my mentor talks, has, we've talked a lot about, you know, triggers and, and the process that you go through in healing and growth where you are like that you can actually get to a place where your triggers aren't so triggering or not, tri- they're not triggering at all. Or like you have such distance and awareness of them and understanding of them that when they come up, it's like, oh, that thing. Yeah. Okay. I don't really want to go down that path. I know what it does to me, you know, and like, and you can recognize like you are triggered, but you can recognize it for what it is and then make conscious choice around it. And I kind of wonder, I guess, if um, that's sort of the same thing, like, like if we're being vulnerable is it only like vulnerability has the um, associated meaning of like something that's uncomfortable and something that is scary or maybe triggering or whatever and like pushing through that anyway. But so what if vulnerability is actually only just like a step on the path to true authenticity where those where you're so in alignment with yourself and you're so dedicated to your true expression and to honoring what is that you get genuine flow where you find the bumps and things that come up, but they're not affecting you and you're not feeling so raw and vulnerable all the time. That's, that's maybe what I was aiming for or hoping for. Yeah, I kind of get that because when I'm thinking about this, okay, think about like uh, a really spiritually advanced person, like a guru or something. And um, I think about this. So I, you know, I don't know a lot of gurus, but I do um, follow the self-realization fellowship teachings, which is Paramahansa Yogananda. And you hear a lot of stories or see, um, you know, I watch videos from some of the monks there and at the fellowship and they're obviously very spiritually farther, farther down the path than I am and have a grasp on things and they can share stories about 
um, maybe their, I guess it would be their, their vulnerabilities in the past, like things that they've done or thoughts that they've had negatively about another person or whatever their personal experience is. And they tell the story and it's usually used in like a comedic way or whatever. And, um, you know, they're not, I'm wondering if you, you know, they're not, I, I don't ever see vulnerability in them, but I do see honesty mm -hmm. and truth. Like they're telling the story, but they're laughing at themselves. Like I yeah. was so foolish to think this and using this real story from their real life. Um, and you can just see that they're in such a different place now. And they learned from that experience. And they're, you know, I never see them being vulnerable in the way that like I was just mm -hmm. like saying about being discomfort yeah. or um, uncomfortable or whatever. Um, so yeah, maybe that's the thing, like that you get to a point yeah. where you're, you're beyond that, you know, and, and I think that that comes with like the non-attachment, right? Like they're yeah. not attached to that. They, they're human and that they screw up or whatever. And then they're not you, identified like, with it. Yeah. Not, a, not yeah. identified with it. And it's not, it doesn't make up the whole of them that they yeah. said this ridiculous thing in public space or whatever. And, um, so yeah, maybe you just, and then also I think as you get older, you do make fewer mistakes. Like we just learn, I make far fewer mistakes now than I used to make. Um, you know, congratulations. I, <laughs> I can tell awesome. you some really horrible things that I have done in my life where I'm like, Oh, that was really in bad taste. And I just don't do that as often now, not because I'm you know, watching my P's and Q's and trying not to, you know, trying to be mm -hmm. prim and proper or whatever, but mostly because I'm more real, more in myself, I guess, more in alignment mm -hmm. um, with my higher self than I was then. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I was, well, I oh, go ahead. Ahead. <laughs> well, no, I was just, I was, it makes me think I was talking to, um, my mentor, whatever, spiritual teacher, whatever you want. I don't know what to call Donna Maria. She's just like everything to me, but um, somebody much wiser than me. <laughs> and I was telling her, you know, I'm at this place in my life where this, I had this experience where I, I led this ceremony um, a couple weeks ago and it was the first time I've done my work, like work in the world that I felt truly nourished normally when i would like when i was a teacher i would get up and teach and i would speak you know these spiritual things or teach whatever i was teaching and i was really coming from spirit and it felt really good and i would leave that place and be really mentally high like oh yeah this was really great i feel really fulfilled but i'd be physically exhausted and so i just have to like crash out for days and um this was the first time I did something where I felt like going into it, I wasn't feeling very well. My belly was really tight. Like I was just really uncomfortable. And then I did the whole thing and I ended up having much more energy than I thought I did and being able to go for far longer than I thought I could. And all like, I just completely left my physical body and ha had this great experience. And, you know, I was telling her, this is the first time I've done something where I felt truly myself and where I felt nourished completely physically, mentally, spiritually when I was done. Like that's never happened where I, like my body was in total harmony with my mind, with my spirit. It was all in alignment and it was wonderful. And the thing she said to me, and I told her, I was like, you know, 
I can see that, that that's the way I want to feel and whatever work I do, that's the way I'm going to feel. And I'm also at this place where I'm feeling like I really want, have been wanting to the last few years, um, settle into my life as opposed to in the past, every two years I was doing something different, a new project, a new whatever. And she articulated this so wonderfully for me. And she said, that's because now you're on the path before those were projects. All the things you were doing were projects, but now you're on the path and this is the path. And the ceremonial thing is the path. Like that's the path. And she said, this is what you're going to do. And, um, and that's interesting to me because I would not think of myself as a ceremonial leader. I still don't know what that's going to, you know, we wrote down some things of how like a container that that's going to look like, but I'm, I'm still just like resting in it, letting it all unfold because I don't want to get into my mind of this thing where I'm like, okay, now it's time to organize and da, 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 da. you know, like I can do that for sure. And that's not the space I want to be in when I do the work that I'm going to be doing after I have this baby. So yeah, it's really interesting. And I don't know how that tied in with what we were talking about, but basically it's about the being on the path thing. Mm. Like when you're, how different things are when you're on the path versus experimenting, like, mm. um, you know, like, um, uh, I was just reading in one of the lessons that, um, you know, you dabble when you're trying to find mm. like spirituality or try, if you think that you're a spiritual person, you're dabbling in all this stuff. So you may do mm. yoga, you may to go to Catholicism or Kabbalah or, you know, whatever, like yeah. all these different spiritual paths. But then once you find like your true, true guru, your true path, you can't ever look anywhere else because it's like, though, this is it. Right. And I've come to that point. Um, with a lot of things in my life where I'm just like, uh, I don't, I'm not really interested in anything else because I'm on the path. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like a falling away and a, a natural narrowing of focus. Yeah. Yeah. Or honing in, not narrowing of focus, but a focusing and a honing in. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It feels good. I can say that. And it's nice to have somebody wiser than me articulate it. So I know what I'm experiencing. Cause a lot, that's a thing that happens to me a lot is I experience something, but I can't, it takes me, it takes someone else, you know, like this is why I always have wise elder women around me because I need somebody who can see things from the outside to, to give me like articulation to help me to to, to put it into English language. Cause honestly, I just, language is really hard, really hard for me. Like English, I feel like is not a language that expresses my feelings very well. <laughs> hmm. Well, to take it, I, I'm back on the river analogy, but it's like when you're starting, you have sort of diffused energy. And so you have like all these little streams and stuff that are you're over here and you're over there and you're trying out different things and then eventually they all kind of funnel down in and once you gather all of that energy together like you can bump up against the banks but you just keep flowing downstream you know like you you just you get more momentum and you and the power of your will and the power of your energy in it creates the flow of the river and it creates a deeper river that will then cut deeper and go farther 
and will create more banks to keep it in place. Like it, it's a self-reinforcing, I don't know if this analogy makes sense. I can see it in my brain, but it's like a self-reinforcing process where I think it feels like when you're not at that place yet, it, it, it can feel aimless and it can feel really draining and challenging to, um, to know where to go or what to do because all you see are different possibilities and options and you're like scattering your energy everywhere. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm playing with that idea in my mind with the river, but in my own life, in my own way, because I feel like I've spent, I've, I've definitely spent a lot of energy out in different areas trying to like find the thing. I mean, pretty much I've realized, I don't know, my, my dad passed away in 2008 and, or passed on, or, you know, he's somewhere else. Um, and I was, uh, I think I went well, 2008, I was 21. Um, and I, for me at that point, I was still really young and I, and it really affected the Latin, you know, the following 13 years. And I, I just keep realizing like how different ways that I tried to cope with that. But one of the ways was like trying to get myself to arrive at a place, like at a destination, at a path, at something. And so I kept like, well, I'm going to do this. and like, would throw all my energy into this thing. And like, this is who I am. And this is what my life is going to be. And now my dad's death has purpose because it helped me figure out who I am and what I'm going to do with my life. And so then I would do something for like a few months and then like, actually, I just discovered this other cool thing. And like, I'd go off and do this other, you know? And so I was like here and there and everywhere. And then I'd get a few years down the road and go, Oh, wait a minute. But the thing I was doing, that was really cool. Can I circle back? You know? And I was just like all over the place. And I, along the way, I picked up a lot of cool things and I picked up a lot of modalities and skills and, you know, experiences and stuff that are now kind of coalescing in my life. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know that I'm as in the flow on the path as you are, <laughs> but I feel, I definitely do feel a coming together um, of, of uh, like, not an arrival place per se, but sort of like an entrance to the, to the path or like it coming together. And I had, I had the sense, um, you know, I've talked a lot about moving on this podcast. I've talked a lot about wanting a, you know, committed relationship on this podcast. I think I don't know. <laughs> I've talked about it in different ways. I know we talked about it with the eye doctor thing, <laughs> but um, yeah. And I just, I had the sense like, I was like kind of on the struggle bus for such a long time and like trying to figure out what I was going to do and where my life was going to go. And, but I had the sense that like everything was going to happen all at once. And before I moved at the end of June, I felt like everything's going to happen all at once. I'm going to get the house. I'm going to get the guy. I'm going to get the, you know, all this, all the things. And then it like totally did. And, um, and it's, an interesting place to be in where there's this, I don't know, like there was a definite element, huge element of surrender. Cause I think maybe that's part of what it is too. Like you're bopping around on all these different tributaries. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you know, putting energy in all those areas and you're focused on them. And they're also little. So they're these like narrow focus points and you can't see the big river that you're leading towards. And eventually at a certain point, if you don't let go, you're not going to get to it. You're just going to keep like focusing on the little things. And so it's surrendering to like, it'll happen when it happens. Um, allows for the space for things to come in. But I'm trying to tie that back into vulnerability because I'm thinking of like, if you're surrendering, I don't know. I don't know if it ties in. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. Surrender for me has been a big thing this year. I mean, really this whole, la like all of last year, I did a lot of surrendering, like with our business and stuff like that. And this year it's really been about surrendering. I mean, pretty, I've been pretty hardcore in baby boot camp through this pregnant, at least the beginning part of this pregnancy. And there was just so much that I just, I just had to surrender. Like I can't work a farmer's market. I can't um, I'm not going to lift anything. Like I'm not, there's so many things I'm just not going to do. And in the beginning I was like not even doing dishes or cooking or doing any kind of domestic stuff. And I remember my partner and I, he got really upset because we don't like living in a messy house, but our house was crazy and I couldn't do anything about it. And I just had accepted, like, it's just the way it is right now. And it's not going to be like this forever. Um, but he was like really in overwhelm and you know kind of made some sort of funny comment about the dishes or whatever and uh how the dishes needed to be done more regularly i was like okay you can take that job on or whatever and he was like i i make an effort to wash i make every effort to wash my dishes as soon as i'm done using and i was like congratulations i'm not going to do that but that's great for you and which is like it's not even true that he does that like sometimes he does right but he was like all high and mighty and i was like congratulations you know which is my favorite thing to say to either him or my daughter when they say something like i'm just like congratulations like whatever but um and I was just told him, I was like, this is right now. Like, he's like, this isn't right now. This is our life. Cause it'd been going on for like four or five months at this point. And I was just like, no, it's right now. This is like temporary. Just like when we had our daughter, it was chaos for two years. And now we're like in this groove and things are fine. And we're getting ready to welcome this new baby. And the interesting thing about the surrender thing with this baby is it's not just happening to me. I'm seeing it happen to my daughter. I'm seeing it happen to my partner. All these ways we are all having to surrender these ideals of how things should be. And I think I mentioned last time that we're talking about changing our business in this huge way, like maybe even taking the summer off next summer from growing things and, um, uh, yeah, there's just like all kinds of talk happening. And that's like pretty huge because my partner's really into, you know, stay the course, you know, like men get in that mindset of like, we're going to just do this. And I'm like, but it's not working. And I didn't have to like go into any kind of lecturing to him or anything like that. He's just like, you know, what he said is I'm thinking about taking next summer and just like taking a step back from the farm so that I can take care of you all. And I was like, oh, mm. that's really pretty kind of sweet, you know, like, and he's like, I just want to be able to be here and like taking care of you and, and, our, and our daughter and the baby. And, um, 
So I was like, that's great. He's coming to his own surrender of like, there's other ways that he can be like the provider and the man of the house besides like driving hard this business of like, you know, we have to make X amount of money. And the same thing with my daughter, like she's really, I mean, it's been a struggle for her too, but she's really letting go of a lot of things. Like um, she can't sleep in my armpit anymore that she slept in my armpit, like for the last four years of her life right there. And she can't, because I can't sleep on my back right now and I can't cuddle her like I used to. And so, um, we have to find other ways to connect. And that's been really a challenge for her because she really is used to sleeping like that. Um, and there's just all kinds of little things like that, that she's, that she's, um, having to surrender to. And it's this really, I used to hate the word surrender because I always thought that it was defeat and I could not, I'm like, I know that there's a spiritual lesson here. We should, there's this, we should surrender, like surrender to like God's will or whatever. But I don't like that word. It's like defeat. But then I, it's like really what surrender is, is being in the flow of not trying to go down this tributary when the river is leading you to the whole cosmic ocean, like just go down the river and you'll get the whole cosmic ocean instead of (laughs) detouring down this tributary. That's like a swamp, you know, with like alligators and whatever down there. So alligators. Yeah. (laughs) So many alligators just, don't take the detour and just, and I mean, it takes, it all, you can only learn that through experience. Like you have right. to go down some tributaries and get bitten in the ass by some alligators to, to not, to know, like just go down the river and you go into the cosmic ocean. And I feel like for the first time, it's really starting to sink in that like, I am okay with going and just floating on my back down the river and I will do what I am told to do by my higher self and in that moment and just trusting that I'm going to be told the right thing to do at the right time and that I will be Mm. prepared and you know and then like back to the ceremony thing like that was you know I was having all the fears that come up Mm. when you do anything in publicly or whatever and I was just like, you know, I, it's okay. I'm going to have these fears and I'm also going to do this because this is the flow. Like this is where it's going. Like I'm going to do this. And yeah, so that's what I'm just going to do. Just keep being in the flow no matter Mm -hmm. what. And I think that that's what this baby is teaching me. And so we'll see who this baby turns out to be, but (laughs) there's a reason I'm learning this lesson. And the better you learn it now, then later it's always better to learn the lesson well maybe not always better but it's always less painful i think the feeling is that it's going to be super painful and you want to avoid it but it's typically less painful to learn the lesson the first time around yeah what i've noticed i i noticed this yesterday is that (laughs) it's kind of so ridiculous i like be so aware that i'm like in my thing i'm <clears throat> stuck in my headspace, going through my like crazy mind process. And I'm like, I just need to go outside. I just need to go put my feet on the, put my bare feet on the earth and, and talk to the plants, the trees, the sky, the earth, mother, whatever, like talk, talk, just talk to everybody. Just get out there and like, listen and talk and commune. And, um, and I'm like, <clears throat> I, I have to say, um, so 
I feel like I should make a formal public announcement that I am officially dating somebody, which is very exciting. Um, but my birthday was last week and he took me out for my birthday and, um, and he asked me what I love about myself. And my best answer I realized was that I love that I am, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'm kind of like who I, that I love who I that I am who I am now, that I have gotten to this place where I know how to go out into the woods or into a field or into a backyard and like very quickly, instantaneously, sometimes ground and connect to the earth and like feel who the great mother is and feel her holding me and feel source and feel the spirit all around and feel the life in all of the plants and animals that are around me. And like that I spent so much of my youth walking through the woods behind my house, like aching for that feeling of connectedness and that feeling of belonging and sense of place and like that I belong to this earth. And, and so the fact, like even 18 months ago, when I started, I was in a mystery school with my mentor and I, um, so when I started working with her there, like where I was then, I mean, we kind of laughed about it sometimes and it's like do you remember who you were when you joined the mystery school like you were like i don't know about this this thing i don't know it's not gonna have you know this i don't think this is gonna work and i was just super maybe not pessimistic but just kind of skeptical and just closed and rigid and like so many things that made sense but now i look at myself i'm like okay yeah i still am controlling here and i still don't like this and i probably have some rigidity around this but like i am so flowy compared to how i was and i'm so open and surrendered and aware of the universe's influence in my life and like how the universe works i mean like this whole process of getting the house and meeting this man and and being in this relationship and and all these changes that are happening in my life, these were all things that I put so much energy into and time and effort of the spiritual sense, not like grunt labor, but like, you know, meditations and, and working with my energy and just doing all these practices that like, and then it actually happened. Like it actually works that if I change my energy and I put my intention and I put my energy on my intention into the universe, like, that that actually ripples into the field and affects reality. And that, that, that source is like constantly accessible to me, like all these things. So anyway, that was sort of a, my long answer of like what I love about myself. But um, so it's my go-to when I, you know, feel something come up, I like go outside and I put my feet in the grass and I like start communing and in various ways. And what, <laughs> what I realized is that like the sticking point for me, this is, this is, one point that I can finesse a little bit, like that needs some work, where if I'm trying to surrender, <laughs> I'm not actually surrendering. And then I'm like, no, but I can do this. I can relax more. I can open more. I can connect more. And like, it's efforting, like I'm efforting to surrender. So I'm inherently never going to get there. It's like orgasm. Like you're never going to get there if you're like, okay, just, it's good. Just keep, you know, it's like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just realized yesterday, like I was in such a messed up headspace and was trying, trying so hard all day because I, I was 
probably projecting a lot of things and just didn't feel like I had the space to like meet the need or like maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of having safe space where you feel like I can surrender to this, but then also realizing like I'm responsible for creating that safe space and it's nobody else's job and anybody else can think whatever they want about the crazy things that I'm doing out here in the yard. <laughs> like, <laughs> but ultimately what matters is that I connect into source and I allow source to, to give me guidance and then I listen to it and then I trust it. Um, yeah, sometimes that's harder than others, but yeah, when you're trying to surrender, I don't know. What do you do when you're trying to surrender? Cause you're aware that you need to, or that that's going to be the best path with the least resistance, obviously, and the most ease and like the path that you really want to take, but you're so like gunked up in your mental process. I guess that's why people do like ecstatic dance or movement things like yoga, why yoga yeah. works because it's getting you in your body and out of your head breathing yeah. practices. That stuff doesn't work for me. It totally puts me in my head. And I, I mean, I've been doing yoga for 25 plus years. And what I've realized is that I, all I did was cultivate going into my head more and more and more, which is pretty interesting. So I have to change that. I mean, I've, I've been changing that since I had my daughter, but I mean, I got kind of lucky with this pregnancy in a way that I had to surrender and that was laying flat on my back <laughs> for months and months at a time. But something that I've really, I've really started I, I mean, I put like a, a, a template around this in the last like week or so, which is stopping to take 10 breaths, like 10 deep breaths. But I was doing this breathing thing while I was going through all the stuff I was going through. All I could do, all I had was to breathe. That's all I could do because all I could do is breathe and to pray. That was it. Mm -hmm. And especially like when I was hemorrhaging and I thought I was going to bleed to death, it was just like, okay. You know, and then I, you know, I, there was some surrender with that, but also there was not surrender because I was absolutely adamant that I was not going to die and leave my daughter. Like I wasn't going to do it. And, but what I did do is surrender to trust. Like, I guess that's really what it is like surrendering into this like basket of trusting that my work here is not done that I am loved by God, that I have, my life has a purpose that I am, that I have not fulfilled yet. And that my body it, surrendering to my body, that my body has a wisdom that I don't, can't even fathom at this point, that it could, mm -hmm. that I could possibly be hemorrhaging out everywhere, mm -hmm. bleeding all over the floor. And that this could actually be healing that's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of that, this is, imminent death that's happening. You and, keep giving me chills, Cameron. <laughs> I mean, well, and seriously. And I, I, I actually, I've been doing this, um, this Kulsa way prenatal yoga, and it's like based on Kundalini yoga. And it's all to like, get your, you know, Kundalini is all about getting your mind right so that you can mm. like make it through life. And so that's what this, it's a gentle Kundalini yoga, but it's all about the mind. So I've been doing that lately. And this morning, I think she called the practice. It was this woman I've been doing her classes online and um she called the class like uh something like uh kundalini yoga to know that everything is going to be okay and and she said this thing in the beginning she said 
you know, we, we have all, we put all this energy into preparing for the worst. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially in particular with pregnancy, it's like all the backup mm -hmm. plans, you know, I've got all the backup plans and you have to have the backup plans because people are going to think you're irresponsible or what if you get into a sticky situation or like in my case, I'm doing this free birth again. And like this time I'm not having any prenatal care this time. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, not going to have anybody present, but my family, like it's just more um, extreme than it was last time. And um, she said, you spend all this time preparing for what could go wrong, but that's like 80% of the time things go right, which I would say it's even more than that. Like the first midwife I ever met with said, if I put a hundred women out in the woods to give birth, 97 will come back with a baby. And I was like, those are good odds for me for a free birth, you know, like, and I'm not afraid of, at that point, I wasn't afraid of, you know, dying. I didn't think that was what was going to happen at all. And, um, so yeah, we put all this effort into what could go wrong, but we never think about what if everything just went perfectly? Like what if everything yeah. is just perfect how it is? Yeah. And it really just like struck me that she just said it so simply and out there. And that is everything that I've been learning. It's like, what if, you know, people like my mom gets all in this thing about like, oh, pregnancy is really hard for you. You have these, this bleeding and da, 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 da. And it really takes it out of you. And it's like, but what if actually pregnancy is the best thing for me because it's healing me in this really deep way. I mean, this baby now kicked some stuff out of my womb that who's who, I mean, I know that that was old stories because I was telling stories of my past lives as it came as like this huge blood clot came out. And the same thing with my daughter, like I think about who I was before she came and who I am now. And she totally saved me. She saved me from my ego. She saved me from being a complete and total um, man hater and just like being so filled with rage all the time and thinking that I was a victim and she helped me has helped me to learn to receive love mostly because she literally tells me she loves me a hundred times a day and it gets kind of annoying to hear that you're loved so much all the time but like I have to surrender to that too so like what if everything is just the perfect medicine that we're all receiving and we have this framework that we're programmed to think that it's all bad and like our bodies don't know or our, you know, we don't inherently know, we have no intuition or whatever, which is very convenient for the people who want to control us for us to believe that. But if we just think of ourselves as, you know, that cliche, I'm a, that cliche saying I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, like mm -hmm. really, if we just think of ourselves that way, like this is an experience I'm having. I don't have to get connected to it. And it could also be all for my benefit. Like yeah. the, if you believe that the universe is a loving and kind place, then that has to be the truth. And, you know, for a long time, I had this thing where I would go into nature as my refuge and see nature was loving and kind and fair and just like all perfect. And, and I shouldn't say fair because it isn't fair necessarily in the way we think of fair, but it is just like there is a, a checks and balances. There's a harmony that happens in nature. And, um, you know, I, then I would go into like the human world and I was like, this doesn't exist. So it's like, you're, we're living in this dual universe where the universe is kind, friendly, loving, and supportive. And the man-made world is not any of those things. It's like, hate yourself, um, martyr yourself, don't trust yourself, you know, all of these delusions. And 
yeah, now I'm just don't, I just don't see things that way. I mean, I see that things are that way for people. And I also choose not to live in that mindset because whatever created nature is way more, way more what I'm into <laughs> than whatever human beings are creating. But um, yeah, I, I used to have to do that all the time too. just go sit in nature and ground myself. I still do. Water is my thing, but now I don't have to go out. I mean, I literally had to sleep outside and be outside for years. I couldn't even go into a building or be in with electricity or whatever. And uh, now I just get it. It's everywhere. Even I'm in this box of a house and I can feel it like nature's everywhere. Like the walls are permeable now for me. So um, yeah, it's just evolution. Well, and everything does come from the earth. I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember some guy, I think he was, he was this like 70 year old vegan and in, in the redwoods in California and he had a shop and I was like chatting to him and he's like, how old do you think I am? You know, cause he looked like he was 50. Like he looked amazing. He's like, it's cause I'm vegan. Um, I don't know. It's just something I remembered, but he was talking, he, for whatever reason, we we're talking about organic and he's like, well, everything's organic. I was like, but you know what I mean? Like, is this organic or not? <laughs> and, but I like, I've actually thought about that very recently as I've had this shift of awareness because I've started to look, to look at things as being more nuanced and to look at things from a different perspective. Like I'm still going to make the choice to not eat toxic chemicals and I'm still going to make the choice if I grow a garden to grow it in a certain way. And I'm going to make the choice to get grass fed beef and to get, you know, like I'm going to do all those things because I believe in energetic resonance and um, like that we have the ability to choose with our energy, but I'm also aware that like demonizing, um, the, the toxins, you know, air quote toxins, whatever, you know, you can call it toxins, you call it whatever you want, demonizing those things or, you know, looking at your wall and saying like, well, that's man-made and it's dead. Like, you know, that it, in fact, one way or another, everything does come from the earth. And like, I don't like metal. Like I typically like to have wooden furniture and wood houses and stuff like that. But, um, but I am capable of like looking at this microphone and connecting with the metal and it like recognizing that it has a resonance and it came from the earth. Um, so. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is it's like, yeah. And I, I get that way with toxins too. Like hearing people talk about toxins, it's a, because we live in a both and universe. Yes. Okay. We can call them toxic or whatever, but really there is nothing toxic on this planet because even we are stardust. Like everything comes from this universe. Everything was created by God, even the evil, it's all created by God. And so nothing can be not God. And it is all about energetic resonance and like tapping into the frequency that you you want to be living at. And there are people who per are perfectly happy eating McDonald's for every meal and um, living that kind of life, watching TV, playing video games. They're fine with that. That's the resonance that they want to be. I can even not even smell McDonald's. I can't look at a television. Like I can't do any of that stuff because that's not my frequency. That's not where I'm at now. That's not where I want to be. Um, and I have been in that place in the past, but um, I mean, that's kind of the frequency I grew up in, but yeah, if, if you're not, it's all about where you want to vibrate at. And as we evolve, we buy, it's like the faster you're vibrating, 
the lighter you get, the higher you get, you're floating basically. I mean, that's what like evolution is, is you're just getting lighter and lighter and just like floating in like God ethers (laughs) or something. But it's all, it all comes from like, I just can't see when people are get all freaked out and spun out about stuff, even things like the crazy stuff that's happening now in the world, like the vaccine and all this stuff. It's like, I can see all of that. And I am more powerful than all of that because I am created in the image of God, literally not, not like not the ego, but like my spirit is created in the image of God. So I have all the powers that God has. I just don't have access to them because I'm not at that level, but there are people who have existed, human beings who have had access to that and have done things like levitate or dissipate into the air or die and come back. Like these things are real. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just like where we're, where we're at, where we're vibrating. And when we're talking about like toxins and all this stuff, it's like this whole thing. We, we talked about this, I think a lot in the beginning when we were doing this podcast that, we're focusing all of our intention attention on the toxins. We're focusing all of our inten- attention on the evils of the world or whatever. But now you and I have come so far just in the, this is what our ninth episode we're recording right now. And we're not even talking about that stuff because we're so we're living a completely different life already just in nine months. And you know, that it's just, it's amazing to me. I think about that all the time. Like I, um, Yesterday I did like my monthly, I do like a monthly news update. Like I go on the internet and I check out what's happening out there in the world, you know? And yesterday I did that and I was just like, huh, wow, this is really crazy out there. My life is so good. I had no idea any of that was going on. And so the more I get like that and the farther I get away from it, I'm like, that's great that I'm so distant from it and just living this completely different life. And all I can think about at this point in my life is how grateful I am for my life because it's so beautiful and more beautiful and more beautiful all the time. And just all these things are bubbling up. These things are happening around me that are just really amazing. And I'm just falling in love with my family even more and um, just the life that we're living. And it's really, it's really just great. And so then I see that stuff and I'm like, Oh, it still exists out there. And I could tap into that, but I'm not going to because it's not at all what interests me (laughs) anymore. And I hope that I get so far out there that I just like walk out and I'm like, huh, what's going on with all these people? Oh, well, whatever, you know, (laughs) just like walk right by it and have, like, I hope that I kind of in a way become um, almost like, I don't know if I want to say invisible, but like, you know, my thing is I've always, I always want to become untouchable. Right. So I just hope I become more untouchable. Like I can just walk through like Jesus parting the seas. I can just walk through the grocery store and nobody, like I'm not affected by anything that anybody does. I don't have any kind of, yeah, I just don't want to know anything about it. Like I don't want to be involved. People can live their lives. (laughs) I'm not gonna, I don't want to be involved. Yeah. Well, and that's like a, that's something that I've been processing through a lot in this relationship that I'm in now, like the, it's like a tangling of energies and like being able to hold my energy. Um, and it's interesting because like one, on one of these, you know, something went crazy in my brain and I like needed to take a moment moments. I went out into this field and I 
just was there for like five minutes and got pretty clear pretty fast. Like I, I, I can't even remember. I wrote it down, but it was like, I don't need to create problems to create space for myself. Like I can create space for myself like anywhere and there is enough space. There's always enough space for me. Like there's always enough space for all of us. And and like the, I don't know, it's just interesting with the toxicity thing, because it's kind of the same thing, or it taps into the same um, concepts or struggles that we have where like there's something that arises and then we have to identify it as either good or bad and then relate to it in a certain way. So for me, you know, with, with the material world, it's getting easier because like that's where my focus has been for so long, like working with food and you know, household products and building materials or bedding or whatever. It's like the whole process of naturalizing my life um, to create safety, right? So I guess like what I was doing was I was clearing out everything and getting away from everything that felt dangerous. And that's interesting. Okay, I'll piece this together with something else. So I was just having another conversation with a friend about like building fortresses versus having boundaries, like building walls versus boundaries. And just realizing in my life, and I guess I'm realizing this as I'm saying it, that this was one other way that I, area that I did it. Like, it's really easy for me to see this in relationships, but in the, nat like in the material world, like I created safe space for myself by, you know, telling everybody like, you're not allowed to feed me or my kid anything that's not organic or not grass fed or, you know, can't overheat your vet like you can't cook with olive oil you have to cook with ghee or tallow or you know the, those kinds of things and and then like taking our food with us everywhere we went so we were always safe with our food and then having allergies and like putting up all these walls and then like getting the organic bed and doing the you know just all the things around creating protective like protecting against toxins in the physical world it's so, like building a wall and then as soon as i built the wall it's like okay now i'm safe and so I built this safe space around myself, but I had to create, I mean, I didn't create these problems per se, but for me, I created it in, my, in myself and in my life as a problem, like that all these things were problems. And my daughter had horrendous eczema as a baby. And so that was sort of the justification, one of the justifications for being super extremist with it. But I, there are millions of other ways I could have approached that whole situation without creating crazy walls and, and um controls and, and things like that. So, so I created like, I, I created all these problems. I was like, these are all problems. So I have to address them and focus on them and fix them. And then by fixing the, taking care of the problem, I created space for myself, like to protect myself and my kid. And then eventually I got to like chill out a little because it wasn't so threatening anymore because I'd created a buffer for myself where I felt safe enough and finally that I didn't have to feel so threatened all the time by all the, all the, you know, triggers or threats, perceived threats of the material world. And so what I'm realizing is like, I'm in a point in my life where I'm, I feel like I'm actually cultivating like closer and closer relationships and like I've, ever really had in the past and like real relationships with real people who are real and like offering themselves up fully to be vulnerable and authentic and like have real conversations. And, and it's like, you know, throwing up 
everything, like everything's going into chaos inside of me. Like, how do I, how do I have a relationship? How do I be close to somebody? How do I let myself get close? How do I let them get close? What do I have to do? What does this look like? You know, and all these like freak out things. And so then I'm like taking space and taking space and like, okay, well, I at least know how I can process this, right? I go to the earth and I've like learned these tools and I can connect and I can ground and I can feel a lot better pretty fast. And then I can come back and I can be like my awesome self again, right? <laughs> but what I realized in that moment was like, yeah, that does work. And you can keep going out to the earth and putting your feet on her and like connecting and getting that love and getting that nourishment and support and like remembering, like really what it is, it's I go out there so that I can expand my awareness because when I'm like in the house face to face, all I see is, you know, this very narrow focus, stress response of like something was said or something happened or something in my body like freaked out. And, and so there's no space or awareness for awareness. And so then I leave the situation, which I mean, I think there's great value in this, like generally like being upset or triggered by something and you don't have the conscious awareness or the ability in that moment to process it like in a conscious, healthy way that you want to do like, yeah, take your space, go outside, do whatever you yeah. got to do. And the awareness of, I mean, like this particular instance was like, so, so not as a judgment, but so ridiculous, like, so just small, you know, so right. petty in a way. Um, but when I was like super narrow focus, I couldn't see anything else. And I just got thrown into a tizzy and my brain like melted. <laughs> and so I went out to the field and I chilled out and got this message like, there is enough space. There's always enough space. There's enough space for you. There's enough space for everybody. And you don't have to create problems to create that space. Because I think, I mean, I'm sure that was some, somehow that was some conclusion and program that got in there, you know, when I was growing up, like the only way to be safe is to have space. The only way to be safe is to be alone or whatever. And probably the only way you got space when you were a kid is getting sent to your room or something or like, yeah. you know, like. Right. Yeah, the only space where you weren't going to be harassed in some way was to go be by yourself in your room yeah. or go be in the woods. Um, or, and like, and I spent, I spent so much of my youth alone. Like I spent high school reading books on weekends and going to movies by myself and then working jobs and renting movies and going home and watching them. Like I was always by myself. I never, I very rarely, I had like bouts where I would hang out with friends. I'd have little friend groups from time to time, but for the most part, I was like by myself. And, and so just realizing like, I have this association of like safe is alone. Like, actually it's only just because I feel like that's where the space is for me, but there's always space for me. And can I bring that space back here and then just hold my space so that I can be here and you can be here and we can have a conversation about anything and I can still have my own space in that shared space. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's emotional it's a, maturity <laughs> and a lot of people don't get so. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, I think last time, the last episode I mentioned that I was talking to my teacher about this and she was like, I kept just getting mad at my mom and my mother-in-law and just mm -hmm. like, enraged and it's like I'm fighting with them in my head and nothing's even happened you know or whatever and she was like it's because you're in their pool you need yeah. to get the hell out of their pool and get your own swimming pool you know because I was like swimming in their energy and I was blocking off a corner of it for myself and then just like fighting with them you know fighting my way to protect my corner and she's like who wants that corner get out of the pool and get your own damn pool and it's like it's the same kind of thing carrying your yeah. bubble with you everywhere and not having to think that because you go to someone else's house that you're in 
you know, like I, I have had this thing, like if I go to someone else's house, I'm just going to go along with their flow, like, because it's mm-hmm. their space and I'm going to respect that. And I'm not going to come in and be the person who's like, um, actually I can't do any of that stuff. Like I have to do all this other stuff, but now I realize it's, it's both. And like, I can have my own bubble. I can go to their space and have my own bubble and not be like a difficult person. And Mm -hmm. like, it can be fine. And, um, it could all be for everybody's benefit and it can be liberating for the other person too. Mm -hmm. And another thing I was thinking about was I, I did this, um, about the boundaries thing. I did this class with, I think his name, I hope I don't mess this up. It's either James or Jim File, F-E-I-L. And he is interesting. He's a, he does craniosacral therapy, but he did this, he's doing really, really cool work on pre and perinatal psychology, like embryology and like how um, our consciousness is formed in the embryo and like how, like he's looking at it from a really like a scientific perspective, but also he brings in the spiritual aspect of it. So anyway, he has like really cool um, views on this and just talks about things in ways that I've never heard, but he was talking about boundaries and he said, you know, everybody thinks of like a boundary as a wall and we're putting this boundary around ourselves, like the fortress or whatever you were saying. And he said, but really, if you think about what's like the ultimate boundary, if we take it down to a cellular level, the cell wall is a boundary and the cell wall is what keeps everything contained inside so that it functions perfectly. So he, he referenced boundaries as being, instead of looking at as being hmm. a wall, a brick wall, it's a permeable layer, but it's what keeps, it's the container, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so you creating the food thing, you created your bubble boundary yeah. and you had to do that because you were in somebody else's pool and you were like, I don't want to be in somebody else's pool of their frequency. So, and I mean, I've done this too. So we create our, we create our bubble boundary and, um, that that's what we carry with us, but it's also, it's, it's permeable, right? Things come in and things go out, but we check the things that come in and the things that go out to make sure like, okay, is that all right? Whatever. And it doesn't have to be this whole stressful thing. And it's like, I just love that way of thinking about it, that the boundary is permeable and that's the container and like putting that with the, us floating around in our own, our own bubble pool of energy. And, you know, at this point in my relationship with my partner, I've been thinking about it a lot. And I always kind of think about it like over the years, you know, we've been together nine years now and we really don't have any boundaries at this point. There aren't, there are no boundaries. There are not really things that are, that, you know, we have free expression of emotions around here and, um, you know, I'm getting better and better at like taking nothing personally. So everybody's just kind of allowed to express however they want in the moment. And also that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that there's like people can be abusive or whatever, you know, like that's not acceptable either, but allowing for that we're all humans and that we're all on a spiritual path and that Mm -hmm. sometimes we say things that are, you know, rude or whatever. And um, just not having the boundary of like, I used to have these boundaries, hard rock solid, what I called boundaries of like, you can't say that to me because that's a deal breaker. That's a deal breaker. And I'm leaving. And so it was like, I was always leaving, but every time I would like pray about it or get with myself, it was like patience, just patience. Like that's, what's been being told to me from the beginning of this relationship is patience, just have patience. And I mean, I'm seeing myself and my partner evolve, you know, 
so much. And he's broken every rule, every relationship rule that we've had, he's broken. And of course I have not because I am, you know, high and mighty and I just don't do those things. But, you know, like my thing is like coming down off of my pedestal or whatever of like that I'm this perfect human that I'm not. (laughs) And being like, okay, his things, his things manifested in all the ways that society tells you men are pieces of shit, you know, like affairs and like leaving me and, you know, all of these things or whatever. And also we are on a spiritual journey together. And like, that's not the reality now at all. Like, I mean, any woman could walk into my house right now, butt naked and like Sam wouldn't even flinch an eye, you know, like he's just so in love with his daughter and I. So it's not like, that's not our reality. And I also have to realize, you know, he was like 22 when we started dating. So, you know, now he's like 31. So, and he's eight years younger than me. So that whole thing. But anyway, yeah, just like not creating these rigid things of like, these are the rules of our relationship and you have, and I think we have to have those in the beginning, you know, like to set things up of like, this is how it's going to go. But also we have to like, let go of some of that stuff. Like Mm -hmm. let's just be ourselves. And at any point in time, I don't feel fulfilled or I'm not getting what I need in this relationship. The contract can change or I can leave. Like I'm not a prisoner and I don't have to be in a contract that I don't want to be in things can always change and that's okay too. Like it, I don't know. I feel like people take relationships so seriously. It's like, I can't, I cannot do it. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't do that. Like I can't be fretting over a man all the time or like fretting over, is he mad at me? Oh my God, what just happened? Like, I just cannot do that. I have way too many things I want to do in my life. I cannot do that shit. (laughs) Well, it's, you touched on the, you know, maybe at the beginning you set up those boundaries or what, you know, rules and things. And <clears throat> what I was, you know, talking about earlier, this idea of, you know, you're, you are like, you may create a wall at first so that you have enough space to create safety for yourself. And I think that's probably like at the beginning of a relationship when you're building trust, I think probably those are ways that people maybe consciously or unconsciously would use rules or, you know, expectations as a way to see like, can this person be trusted to do X, Y, or Z? Then I know that I can trust them. And then you build more trust and not saying that that's like the best way to go about it or build trust. Um, But I just, I can see that that is a, it's like part of the process. I think I've just, I've been so hard on myself generally across the board, but specifically in the context of like how rigid I've been and, um, and how, how much I've controlled things and how problem, how many problems that's caused for me and, and realizing that, you know, like if you're living in a severely upright with a severely upregulated nervous system, like as Joe Dispenza would say, living by the hormones of stress, like, You know, if you're living in a perpetual trigger, if your life is just like one big trigger, you have to create safety however you have to create safety. Yeah. But yeah. the the important piece of it is that you don't create build walls and then never break them down or rebuild them or, you know, restructure or them. Carry like carry them over about- with everybody that right. wasn't that person or something. Yeah. Right. Yes. 
and and then like yeah never move and change and grow and like you're saying like the, the contracts of your relationship can be renegotiated like if at some point you feel like you've built the trust like you can knock down those walls and maybe say this doesn't have to be a rule it's just i trust you now and so i know that this isn't going to happen and if one of those things were to happen you have you know hopefully established enough of a relationship and trust and connection where you can communicate through it and you know yeah anyway well there's there's multiple parts of that so i'll kind of elaborate just so people who are listening know so sam and i were together for two years had a really great dreamy amazing super we were the first people each of us felt like truly loved like received and gave love like a very open loving relationship it was wonderful and then we had two years where we were traveling separately all over the world and sam kind of went into we both kind of went into whatever you would call like people call it like the dark night of the soul or whatever but it was basically just like plummeting we left our home we were traveling and then we separated while we were traveling so that we could both travel on our own and this is when all this stuff happened it was during that time and then I decided I was done with it and done with this weird long distance thing that we had where we like saw each other, you know, a couple times a year and just like wrote these love letters that were just like out of romance novels. And then like all of a sudden I wouldn't hear from Sam for like six months or something like that. And then like seeing pictures of him with other women and, you know, it was just like this weird thing. I was like, I'm just not going to do that anymore. So I just told him I wasn't going to do it. And because of, because our relationship is totally like divine, like it's cosmic, it's divinely ordained, like we were supposed to be with each other. Um, when I did the cord cutting that I did, he was living in Mexico and he felt that and he plummeted, like I had cut him and he had fallen off the ledge and he plummeted. And so two weeks later, he said, I'm coming back to America. I want to live the life we've been saying we were going to live. He came back two weeks after that. I was pregnant and that was four or five years ago. Now that's our life. <laughs> right. So it was all there. So the, yeah, like you're saying the trust thing there, we had a foundation of like supreme trust and all this stuff. And then that foundation was like shaken into its core as he underwent his stuff. And as I underwent my stuff, which was catalyzed by that separation with him and by the loss of a extreme loved person that I loved or loved being that I loved. And so I was in like really the depths of despair, but then there's this other part of it. So there's the trust and the foundation and all this stuff. And yes, I, w and, and since we've been back together, you know, I told him when I got pregnant, like now you just have to earn my our daughter and I's trust every single day and you have to prove that you're worthy of being with us like that was what I told him and he's done that every day but then the second part of that is what I learned in this time that we had apart is that I was going to become untouchable and that I had to stop being a victim to whatever whims that men had because the truth of the matter is is there are not very many men in this world who aren't weak at their core when they don't have something or somebody to be strong for period. That's just like, that's my experience of men. And, and it usually changes when they have kids or when they find a woman that they, that they want to be strong for. And so, 
or like men in the military or whatever, they find something that like makes them be strong, but they're weak and they have no character because they're not taught to have character until they're taught to have a character. So I decided that I was never, no man was ever going to be the determiner of who I was, how I felt about myself, what my life was going to be, whatever. So I decided I was going to become invincible. So that meant that whatever he did had nothing to do with me. I wasn't going to take it personally. If he had right now, if he went out and he had an affair with another woman, I would just, I wouldn't care. And I would just go on living my life and I would figure out how we were going to negotiate that, whatever, but I won't leave my house. I won't live a lesser life than I'm living now. So I'm not going to plummet into poverty because he is decided he's not going to carry his end of the bargain. Like I'm not like, there's just things I'm not going to do. I'm just not going to do those things. And so these are my, these are my things and they have nothing to do with him. Like if he lives or dies, if he runs away, whatever, and not that I think he's going to do any of those things, but if that happens, I'm going to be fine. And that is the work that I did when we were apart is to get to that point, to be at the point where I was completely okay. And that my life isn't hinged because I saw so many women, um, like my grandma is a perfect example. She's been married five, six times. I don't even know how, how many other men there have been in there, but she would get divorced lose her children. She had seven children. She was poor. So she would lose her children. They'd go to foster care. She'd find a a man that was good enough that had money that could help her get her children out. She'd get her children out. That man turned out to be a creep, a loser, a abuser, a pervert, whatever. She divorced him, lose her kids again, get her kids back after the next guy. And she did this whole pattern, whole pattern, whole pattern. And now in my life, she's on uh, my I'm 39 years old and she's on the fourth grandpa in my life that she's married to now. And she's still just like, it's not about getting her kids back, but it's like, now she has to have, she's never worked. She's always been a housewife. So like now she has to have a man that she can have his social security so that she can live. Right. And so she has a man, he's whatever, fine. I don't know, but like, I'm just not going to do that. Right. Like this repetitive pattern of what my life depends on whatever somebody else says. So yeah, I guess that's the other part of it is there's trust in your relationship. And then the other part of it is like, what part do we as women have in playing of like that? I'm not going to be devastated by somebody else's actions and that I'm going to be accountable for the container that I want to live in. Like I'm responsible, like you were saying, like I'm responsible for creating the life that I want. And if I don't have the life that I want, I can renegotiate the contract or I can leave. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm responsible for my life. Sam is not responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my life. And I'm responsible for the lives of my children because in my culture, children belong to the women. So I'm responsible for my children. And so I took that responsibility on whenever I, got pregnant. And I knew that, that like, whatever happened, I'm responsible for these children. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he does ever, you know? And yeah, I don't know. That's my tangent. <laughs> it's well, that's definitely- both and. Hmm? Everything's both and. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I, so I decided, I've decided this in the last few months. I don't, I don't know if I told you this, that I want to get a tattoo. And I've like been so against tattoos my whole, not against them, but just personally, like, I was like, I could never do it. Cause then I could never see that part of my skin and like the permanence and the, 
anyway, there's a lot of changes in my life. And I suddenly am like, I could get a tattoo and I'm going to get a tattoo and it's going to be on my forearm and it's going to say everything is perfect exactly as it is. Because that is the one thing that if I say it to myself enough times, it actually changes my state of being like, cause I can, it, the phrase helps me to connect to the bigger reality and the bigger understanding that like, oh, right. I'm actually directly connected to source. And that's like the big relationship and it's all good <laughs> because everything actually is perfect exactly as it is. And if I look at it that way, then, then like you're saying, nothing touches you because there are no problems. Like you don't have to create problems. Like I've said this on the podcast before, I think the Eckhart Tolle and this, um, uh, the power of now book says like, start off by creating no more problems. <laughs> like yeah. if you're just right here, there are actually no problems. There's just what is, and then you interact with what is. And, um, and I've really, when I had my like little crazy spin out yesterday and I've been like kind of spinning out this morning, um, realizing that like, I can see both. I can hold both. Like I, I'm definitely in this place. I've been so badly, wanting that what you're describing that like to really let that in and sink down deep into me that like it's all it's all about me i mean it is all about me it's all about everybody but um that my life is mine for the making for the creating and it's mine for the experiencing and living and and um so it's but it's only it's only in this process like this man is definitely he's, he's helping me with this a lot. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's because I'm ready for it because I, I wouldn't be in this place. Like I always knew that when I met somebody, it was going to be a combination of like, I don't want to meet the person that I want to be with until I'm the person I want to be with. But, or until I'm like in the right place to attract the right person. But I know that I, like that when I'm in that place, it will be because like, I'm the person that I want to be with. And so that I'm in this, in this right relationship with myself and my growth and my path. And I feel like that's where it is. And, and so like, there's been this ease and flow because I've arrived at this place where I can actually align with like the person that I want to be in relationship with, because I'm becoming that person. Um, and then also because of that, it's like, so that means I'm ready to to dig up all the deep shit and to dig up all the muck from the bottom of the pond. And, and so the universe is just like, it's like doling things out day by day by day by day. And, and it's all just like a lot of it's super painful. A lot of it's triggering and a lot of it, but I, but I'm able to be in this place with it much more so now than ever before, but I'm able to be in this place with it where I can see it as mine and I can see it as like, as much as I'm able, the blessing of my life experience where I'm like, remember, remember what I wanted, remember who I wanted to be. I can't be that person because this is still here. So now I just got to clear this out and let this go and work through it and process it and understand it for whatever it is. And the difference that I'm noticing now versus how I was handling things before is that I'm much more willing to release things. And I'm also much more willing to just let things not settle per se, but just to just like understand things as they are and to, to create fewer problems, which basically means creating fewer stories around 
what the things are. So it's like, yes, okay, I'm aware that this came from this past experience and I'm aware that it came from this relationship with this person. And I'm dealing with a lot of those things right now. And like, I don't have to go down into the rabbit hole of why and the analysis and figuring it out and what happened when. It's just like, okay, that came from this. And do I want to, like Joe Dispenza has this meditation called Changing Perceptions and Beliefs or Beliefs and Perceptions. And in it, he says, you know, so what was that first belief or perception that you wanted to change about yourself? And so then like you call it up and you see what it is. And then he asks, and do you want to continue to believe and perceive in that way? And you're like, hell no. <laughs> He's like, so if you don't, what do you want to believe instead? And it's this awesome meditation that I use all the time now because, because like for things like this, where it's like, oh, this is just showing me what my belief and perception is around this kind of experience or around this kind of experience or in this circumstance with this type of person. And, and so I'm having these, as Brene Brown would call them, opportunities for growth. Like I'm having all these experiences that I'm now holding in this space of like, I got to this amazing place in my life where I'm like, live, have this amazing living experience. Like the circumstances of my living are my house and stuff now are great. And I have this amazing man who I'm like, so crazy about and it's like because i did this because i kept working through these things and if i just keep doing this it will get easier and i can see that this works that the more that i do this work the more i can actually align with my future self my future desires my dreams visions whatever like my highest future self and and so i don't have to attach so heavily to the things as they arise and feel like I got to get down in the trenches and do the deep digging work and really like get into it and like, you know, make it hard for myself because that's what I've always felt like I had to do. Um, which is another whole perception and belief thing about like, I got to be hard on myself cause I'm never, you know, never doing enough, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I, I can work with that one, <laughs> but just realizing like, I don't have to create more problems. I can yeah. just be with these things and allow them to just like, like be like, hey, thanks for showing up. You can just chill out now. It's all good. That's not real. It doesn't happen anymore right now. See, this is different. Um, but in that process, like that is the process, as Joe Dispenza would say, of becoming greater than your environment, greater than your body, greater than time, greater than, um, you know, anything that could come at you. And like, if I can hold myself in that place where I'm always like, like primary relationship is the direct connection to source, then like it's all good and nothing will actually touch you because, because you're so much more than those experiences. And the other thing I realized I had, I think I was doing a meditation and was seeing that and was like seeing sort of this line going like through me and up. So like as a visualization of me connecting to source, like feeling that a source energy drawing me, like not drawing me up, but up. And, um, and what I realized was like, I'm there and so is my boyfriend. And so that there's like actually no inherent conflict between us. Like I may perceive conflicts or perceive things that are somehow triggering, but like really like I don't have to take space because like he's there in that alignment. Like I am, he, I'm aligned with source. And by being aligned with source, I'm aligned with him is how that feels. So 
so as a way of knowing, like I'm not, like all of that other stuff is just other stuff. Because when I'm aligned with myself, I'm aligned with him. Because mm-hmm. when I'm aligned with source, I'm aligned with myself. When I'm aligned with myself, I'm aligned with him because he aligns with all of this. So like, I don't need to create the problems and I don't need to feel threatened or create distance or anything else because all I have to do is align with myself. And when I align with myself in this moment, none of those things exist. None of those things are any longer relevant or real. They're all just relics of the past that are being shown to me now so that they can like be released or like Elizabeth Gilbert in Eat, Pray, Love, she talks about um, going, like when she was in the ashram in India, she had this opportunity to go up to the rooftop and like let all of the things of her ex-husband, all the, just all of her stuff with him, like let it go to rest. And, and she describes the experience where she's laying there and she's just like spend like hours and hours just as things would arise, she would welcome them into her heart and say like, you know, you can rest there too. You can rest in my heart too. And And so I realized that like, that's something that I can do too, where you're creating a safe space for yourself in this moment, something arises and you actually just draw it in and let it rest in your heart. And so when these like relics of the past arise, I can, I don't have to do anything with them. I don't have to analyze them and figure out what they are, try to push them away or try to like get to the bottom of this. I can just like, Hey, yep, that sucks. That sucked. That wasn't fun. And now it's done and it's okay. You can just rest. Like, it's okay. It's cool. And then that's aligning with myself because it's aligning with like love and full acceptance of who I am and um, not attaching to these unconscious patterns and programs and all that stuff. And so then I can just be strong in my present self. Yeah. Untouchable. Yeah. And then the whole thing too is, is about um, that's also about stepping out of the victim yeah. Like you can't do that. Cause I'm thinking about at times in my life, there were literally times in my life where I, I would not have been able to do that. Like welcoming things in mm-hmm. because they were victimizing me. And I mean, victim stuff is still, is still something I can definitely slip into, especially with my daughter. It's really interesting. I just feel like she's attacking me all the time <laughs> and that I'm like, and I have to constantly remind myself, I am not being victimized by my child. Like just because, you know, she's being persistent in wanting whatever she wants. Like I'm not a victim here, like, you know, whatever, but, um, you can't accept things in to rest if you're not out of the victim space, you know, because mm-hmm. if you're a victim, it's like, it's like everything is coming there to leech off of you mm-hmm. instead of just like this other vision. Like when you're saying that, you know, letting things come in and rest, like it's like providing this, like almost like a beautiful cemetery, like a ground, <laughs> like hallowed ground that things can come and rest. And like, you can maintain that and like keep the paths mode and, and uh, make sure that all the gravestones are kept nice, whatever. But the dead people are still dead. Like they're, they're not going to rise from the dead, right? They know their place and they're still going to stay there. So versus this whole idea of like all these demons, just like jumping onto you and like leeching onto you and mm-hmm. you know, which is the victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Well, the, there's, it just made me think that the expression, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. It's like, yeah, I could take those relics, those things that, you know, the triggers, the, unconscious beliefs and stuff and like push them away but then they're like out to cause chaos all in my life whereas I bring them in I keep them close and I offer them love like they're not going to do anything they're done yeah 
but just yeah. really all they wanted anyway was just a little loving. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it all comes back to. It always does. Offering, offering, offering love to ourselves and, you know, you can't really offer it to anybody else if you can't offer it to yourself first. So mm -hmm. it's the beginning and the end. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, I feel like this is a good place to stop for the day. I'm really excited. I'm going to go to a, to a, a physical therapy appointment with a pelvic specialist just to get my pelvis in order to have this baby. And uh, so that's where I'm going to go next. And um, thank you all for joining in with us in this conversation between women. And we hope to see you back next month.